Producers and creators are the sources of all value on the planet. MC Lobster, the host of the top-rated business and investing podcast Cashflow Ninja, is on a mission with Producers Wealth to help producers create, protect, and multiply their wealth outside of Wall Street in any economy by creating systems and processes that help them increase their production, provides them with liquidity, passive income generators, and opportunities for enormous growth. Learn more about their time-tested and proven systems at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at risk management and more specifically, utilizing financing in uh, managing risk in uh, the multifamily property space. My guest in today's episode is Ivan Barrett. Ivan Barrett is a multifamily owner, manager, and syndicator who specializes in agency and FHA financed projects. Since 2014, Ivan has raised over $24 million in equity, acquired over 1,800 units, and grown Barrett Asset Management to a best-in-class management firm. Today, Ivan Barrett focuses most of his time on equity finance, acquisitions, firm strategy, and human capital. Currently, his companies manage well over $100 million in assets, compromising over 2,200 units. Are you an investor looking for passive cash flow but don't have the time to explore your options? Discover Real Estate. It's the best option for passive income that savvy investors have been turning to for years to generate income and build wealth. But the reality is real estate investing takes expertise, market knowledge, and time. So what do you do if you don't have the time or market knowledge? Discover how many business investors have found a way to generate cash flow from real estate investing. Their secret? They partner with proven private real estate investment funds. Four Peaks Capital Partners have created a system that allows accredited investors the opportunity to invest in undervalued assets to generate passive income and capital gains. Invest with the cash flow experts and sit back while Four Peaks does all the work. Call Four Peaks Capital Partners at 877-5-INCOME. That's 877-5-INCOME or go to privateincomeinvesting.com. An offer to buy or sell securities is only made by a private placement memorandum. Prospective investors must read the PPM in its entirety before making an investment decision. Ivan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, MC. It's great to be on here. Yeah, great to connect. Um, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've been in real estate a long time. So my, uh, my father is an attorney and he owned a lot of rental property growing up, had a, had a uh, a number of duplexes. My brother and I uh, were his manual labor on landscaping and and uh, other various um, projects he needed done. So at an early age, I got a a taste of uh, manual labor um, every summer, but also uh, got the real estate bug and ended up going to um, to university and studying real estate finance. Uh, read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, immediately fell in love with that philosophy and graduated 
Indiana University degree in my pocket uh, from a great top 10 real estate school on finance, development, valuation, and then really um, uh, bought one duplex and got sidetracked uh, for almost eight years because I was, uh, I was allured, uh, enamored with development and uh, worked for a, a land developer here in Indiana, uh, learned a lot. Um, but as you know, in those times, you could, you could build just about anything and somebody would come along and buy it. So really, really got out over my skis working in development. Uh, and then 2008 crash uh, came along, saw the, uh, the downside of real estate, which actually ended up being a, a huge gift, probably one of the biggest gifts I've ever received in my life because it forced me to hit the reset button on, uh, on real estate in general and uh, through a lot of soul searching, got back to, back to Rich Dad, back to some other authors and education and content out there and really got back to cash flow, which is what attracted me to real estate in the first place, which was um, having, this, having this passive cash flow stream, no matter if I'm on the beach or, or at the office or, or doing whatever, uh, having that, that passive income come in. And for me, uh, I was not able to do what I loved in the beginning. I had to do what I actually hated, which was property management. But I knew if I could figure out the property management game uh, and scale that, that I could scale a business. And so for the, for the first several years of my business, I managed more properties for other folks than, than I own myself. But during that time, because I was able to grow some consistent income on management fees, I was able to, uh, to start buying smaller distressed assets, uh, re reinvigorating them, redeveloping them, getting them leased up, refinancing, bigger pockets, calls it the Burr method now. Um, basically doing that and from there continue to scale the business into what we are today, which is um, getting close to about 150 million in assets under management and 110 million of that are syndicated deals that my partner and I have put together. We still manage for other folks as well, MC, uh, but without that underlying management business first, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. And then you guys are particularly investing in, in the multifamily space. Correct. That's all I look at. I'm very focused on workforce, multifamily housing, assets that we can we can buy below replacement cost, add value through new capital for improvements to raise rents, and also on the management efficiency side, which is just a fancy way of saying how do we run this thing a, a little bit more efficiently and, and, and less costly than, than our competition does. Now, uh, what is your philosophical approach to building wealth and, uh, and, and growing and expanding your wealth? For me, it, it's really all about the cash flow right now. Um, I hardly ever look at my net worth unless I've got to turn it into one of our lenders. But it, it's more about um, continuing to grow that, that cash flow machine. So for, for me, philosophically, I want to I clip a really solid return for as little risk as possible. A lot of that's in my DNA from the, the 2008 crash. And I saw what can happen when people were betting on capital gains versus cash flow. I saw what can happen in, in other real estate asset classes, retail, office, industrial, land development, speculation. There's just a lot more volatility 
in those models. And that was something I wanted to take off the table because philosophically, I know that winter always comes. Uh, how long it's going to be, how cold it's going to be is anybody's guess. I can't predict the future, but it always comes. It's the cyclical nature of business. And so I want to be in a, my goal is to have a model that may improve in the winter versus collapse. Right. Right. And that actually ties into my next question that I want, because this is, this is something that I'm looking at as well. I completely agree that winter's coming. So I'm looking at, uh, you know, what, how to position yourself, how to make sure and navigate what's coming ahead, because I have a feeling uh, that, uh, that it's been overdue for a while. If you look at historical market cycles every seven to 10 years, right? We've got, uh, we've got a downturn in the market. What are some of the biggest lessons that you learned that you're taking into? You've touched on one or two of them already, but uh, to position yourself for winter that, the, that's ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I think you said it there well. And, and my dad always says, uh, dig the well before you're thirsty. And um, so we, we try to dig those wells nice and deep. But practically uh, speaking, we look to do a couple things. So first and foremost, we treat the real estate we buy like it's a business. So I model this very similar to a private equity deal. Uh, we're looking for reasonably well-run businesses already where we can add a little bit of value to get a, a 15 to 20% IRR. Um, we're, sticking, we're staying away from the, the high value add projects that, that, that are in C areas that may be more intrinsically broke. Uh, so we're a little bit more uh, snobbish on our, on our location, our market, and our assets. Uh, we, we like a C property if it's in a B or an A area. Um, we like workforce housing in general. And, uh, and so now we feel is not the time to buy sort of what I would call those opportunistic heavy value add deals. Simply, if, if you've got to deal with a lot of problems in this market, I question if, it can, if the problem can be solved. Right. Because just about everybody right now can, can, can do a, a, a fine job. There's lots of rental demand. Uh, there's fewer units than there are folks out there um, uh, that, need, that need those workforce housing units. So we're waiting for this market to turn over before we start looking at the, the heavy value add. The, the real trick uh, or, or um, strategy that we focus really heavily on is we stay away from the banks. We are almost 100% Fannie, Freddie, and in, in a lot of cases, FHA, HUD um, death in, our, in our, uh, our portfolio because we don't want maturity risk. So Fannie and Freddie sometimes ends up even being a little bit too short at a 10-year deal. And a lot of times we're acquiring property using HUD financing, which I want to be clear about this, does not mean the property is income subsidized, Section 8, or any other sort of um, uh, low rent type of project per se. HUD actually finances A, B, C, and D assets. Gotcha. The advantages to HUD, uh, if you can get through all the brain damage, I can lock in my interest rate, which is lower than Fannie and Freddie, 
for 35 years and get a 35 year amortization period, which helps my cash flow. And I can still refinance or sell after five or 10 years, uh, depending on the way I set up the loan. So again, by, by removing loan maturity risk, I take a ton of um, unforeseeable issues off the, off the, um, the plate, so to speak. And what I mean by that is when, when the crash happened, I saw lots of developers, lots of investors handing over perfectly good assets that were cash flowing for one simple reason. They really couldn't roll over the debt. They, right. they either retail or small multifamily or office, the capital markets froze. They can't roll over the debt. They've got to sell the property instead, or the property gets taken away from them. And a few more people down the street have the same problem. That's when you see asset prices uh, go down. And, and frankly, MC, I want to be a buyer when, not if that happens next, when that happens next and be able to hold and cash flow through that with my current portfolio. You're listening to Ivan Barrett on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. My friend Dave Zook from The Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for high yield returns from multifamily apartments, ATM machines, and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team. To learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the Real Asset Investor offers, such as their multifamily, ATM, and self-storage syndications, please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor. You're listening to Ivan Barrett on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and now back to our interview. Just to give a little bit of a background for some of the listeners, um, can you explain what happened to a lot of banks and what they did? Obviously, they called in a bunch of loans, but can you t- get a little bit more in, uh, into depth around that? Because I think, uh, yeah, that we might most likely see another scenario of that in an event uh, of a significant downturn or a, another financial crisis. Yeah, the, the, the way I like to look at that, and it, I think if, if you go out there and you talk to a lot of real estate entrepreneurs or, or um, uh, investors, operators that have been around for a while, a lot of them will tell you, you know, the bank is your friend until they're not, right? right? And, and, and they're subject to their stakeholders, they're subject to regulations, they're subject to the whims of the Fed and political policy. And all of a sudden, you know, in 2008, everybody started questioning what these assets were worth. Uh, liquidity froze up. There was no one willing to to uh, to buy a lot of these uh, a lot of these instruments that that um, the debt 
we're being securitized into, right? So a uh, great example, uh, a friend of mine owned a, uh, a really, really nice piece of dirt uh, in a great market, a piece of land um, that he had uh, sitting on his portfolio, waiting to, uh, to zone it for the, for the right use uh, to either partner with the developer or build it himself. Uh, large property. Today, it's, it's several hundred apartments. At the time, uh, 2008 hits. Uh, the bank comes along and says, we've revalued your asset. It's now worth X and we're calling your loan unless you can quote unquote right size it by writing us a check for $475,000 this week. Wow. Now, lucky for my friend, uh, he was able to do that. Very conservative developer, uh, had a lot of dry powder, a lot of cash in the bank, very conservative guy. He was able to write that check and hold on to the land. If he wasn't, he would have had to sell it in a, in a very, uh, very deep cut market, right? It was a buyer's market at that time. Right. Um, same thing happened with guys owning office buildings, small apartments that couldn't access the agency debt, lots of assets. Um, you, you go to your bank and, hey, we're not making any more loans um, in, in your asset class. You need to find another bank to, to, to uh, roll over your debt. And what people were running into uh, was, you, wouldn't, you never get a no from your banker, right? But right. They, they just give you really, really crappy terms. Like uh, uh, we're now at a 50% loan to value. Uh, we need a 1.75 debt coverage, right? Uh, or or uh, we think cap rates on your building are now 15%. So all of a sudden in the bank's mind, your asset is worth X uh, today. And if today is the day that you have to roll over the debt, if you don't have the cash to make up the difference, you have to sell. And if, if more and more owners in the market are experiencing that same thing, uh, that's when you have a, a, a true uh, buyer's market. And again, we don't want to be the guys having to sell into a buyer's market. So big multifamily deals offer something that no other real estate has, and that is government financing through the agencies or through HUD, which allows me to lock in those rates far out into the future and take that, uh, that risk nearly 100% off the table that when I have to go refinance or sell, uh, I will be in a position to um, avoid having to do that during a downturn. I can just sit on the property longer. Whereas a bank will only give me what we call five-year money, sometimes seven. Wow. Agencies, I can, I can lock it in 10 to 15. And again, with HUD, it's very difficult to get. But if you can get it, you can literally lock in a note for 35 years. Now, most of my investors and myself um, were typically looking to recap somewhere between seven and 10. But if between years seven and 10, we're in 2008 again, we can just simply hold on to the property, uh, weather the economic storm, and when the market comes back as it always does, then we can we can look again at a refinance or a sale. Uh, Ivan, what markets do you guys in uh, and operate in right now, and what markets are you positioning to eventually capitalize on opportunities as they present themselves again? We, we really like the Midwest. From here, we're, we're starting to hub and spoke out uh, into Ohio, Kentucky. 
Um, we typically like the, the more red states that are landlord friendly. And from here, Tennessee, Ohio, uh, again, Kentucky, uh, on out uh, into the south and east as we go. Um, I think there's opportunities in every market. As the market turns, we'll be looking at more, like I said earlier, of the, uh, the true heavy value add deals when, when some of those operators that, that did take the easy money from the banks uh, get left out to hung out to dry. Right, right. And now let's talk about a couple of things because you, you, uh, you had mentioned, or we've talked a little bit about risk management and being prepared for what's, what's coming ahead uh, as well. And uh, you've had quite a journey as well. It's never been a rainbow and unicorns and you've, uh, you fought back um, and, uh, and, and got back on your feet uh, and now are very, very successful. What are some of those biggest lessons that you're taking in with you uh, in looking at what's coming down the road? The, the thing that I've learned, whenever I've made a big mistake or, or paid a lot of tuition, uh, as I like to call it, it's always been from a lack of discipline or arrogance that I could just power through something. So as we grow now that now that we're we're using our own money in addition to other people's money, uh, we feel a lot more comfortable being disciplined. We're looking at 200 opportunities right now just to find one golden goose that, that's actually worth worth uh, acquiring, and that's that's really important right now in this point in the cycle. You better be buying great assets um, that you're you're prepared to hold for a long time. Um, versus any type of short-term uh, flips or, or value-add exits. That, gotcha. That's been, that's been um, I think, paramount. So, for instance, this year, our goal is to acquire 1,000 units. Right now, we've got 163 we're closing on next week and uh, a couple more opportunities in the pipeline, but we're nowhere close to where we'd like to be from an acquisition standpoint. But that's okay. Another part of that risk management strategy, I built the management company first. And we have a machine now that is self-sustaining in that I don't have to acquire a new deal or sell a project or refinance a project uh, to make payroll. And that's very important to me because maybe next year we'll do zero units. We want to be able to, uh, to, be able to, to stay disciplined and if we're in a market where we get zero units acquired, that doesn't that doesn't kill us. That just delays our goals. Right now, you've mentioned uh, there are still st- some deals out there, and you guys are looking at it. Is there a checklist that you draw from, right, especially right now, and th- specific things that you look at when you're analyzing some of these deals? Oh gosh, yeah, we could spend a whole other couple of hours on everything we're looking at, but a, a couple of the high level points that my partner and I really focus on. Um, I know this is going to shock you. I hope you're sitting down location. It's still <laughs> really important. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're pretty snobby on, on school districts. We want to, uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a class A school district, but we don't want to be uh, in the hood, so to speak. Um, in this market, you've got to be able to move quick, raise capital fairly quickly, make decisions. Uh, oftentimes we're putting down hard earnest money day one, which is only subject to title survey and environmental. So typically when we're touring a property, we've already done a lot of background diligence. Uh, we're typically walking it with our, um, our, 
our executive team, including our, our director of construction and maintenance. And we're, we're checking a few more boxes before we're making that offer. Um, but uh, it, it, there's no rocket science to it. We're walking units. We've been at this a long time now. So we, we know sort of what to expect at different uh, vintages of construction age. And so really we're taking a look at, at deferred maintenance, if any. Uh, we're looking at cars in the parking lot. We're asking the management team on site a lot of detailed questions to see if they know what they're doing. And the checklist just gets more detailed from there. If we, um, if we have the property under control with lease audits, walking every unit with teams that have their checklists, they're looking, uh, looking at every system, every bedroom, um, checking things off, making notes. And then we, we rely a lot on our lender. They do a lot of underwriting as well. And we're comparing our underwriting to theirs on the financial side. Um, they've got a, a great team and we're leaning heavily on our legal team as well at this, uh, at this altitude when we're buying two to 300 unit properties, legal is a, a big piece of it. That, uh, I think that covers most of the, uh, the, the high level stuff. No, uh, no secret sauce there. Just a lot of blocking and tackling MC. Yep. Absolutely, sure. And definitely sounds like it. Now, you had mentioned raising capital, and that, of course, is a, is a very big part of it. Access to capital and getting that capital quickly and moving swiftly. Um, as you mentioned, you're, you're positioned already and you control the property by putting it on the contract with certain terms. Uh, can you speak to uh, the ability to acquire capital and especially finding a lot of uh, capital in areas that you that you didn't even know that was right in front of you in your network. Uh, you, you hit the you hit the magic uh, word right there. It, you know your own network. So I've raised almost thirty million now um, over the last uh, three years for our our projects. I didn't always get to spend most of my time doing that. I had to do what I hated first, which was scaling um, a management company and being the busboy and being the, the dishwasher and, and the, the maitre d' and the, the waiter and the cook. Uh, but now I, I spend a fair amount of my time on equity finance and, and larger strategic goals for the company. Uh, equity finance is just a good uh, uh, fancy way of saying raising investor capital. A lot of that capital has come through my own network of just um, building relationships with people, learning how to learning how to sell. I would tell any real estate entrepreneur out there: if you don't understand uh, sales and business development and, and helping to convey your message to other people and getting their buy-in, uh, it's the number one skill set for an entrepreneur. For for uh, anyone trying to grow something, is being able to get other people on on your page. Um, but again, tapping my own network tapping the, the network of people that I know and then those people who, whom they know and treating people well and, and doing what you say you're going to do and, and gaining that momentum and, and growing the right way gets a lot more relationships um, coming to you versus you chasing relationships. So for instance, three years ago, I had a couple of physicians that were investors of mine. Now I've got a, a few dozen uh, physicians and that takes a lot of time building that trust, but they're, they're great partners uh, in our projects. Um, beyond that, I, I've gone out and, and raised capital uh, through crowdfunding a couple of times, 
through some marketing uh, strategies. That's really though been secondary to tapping my own my own network of relationships. Now that I have a track record, I can go out there and do more more marketing, more advertising. But I think anyone that's looking to grow that side of it needs to to um, to really rely on their own relationships first. And you know nothing uh, speaks more to attraction of capital than having good deals because um, bad deals always chase the money and the money always chases good deals. I'm always looking for new capital relationships and new sources of, of partnership in that, in that arena. But frankly, capital is not really the, the issue right now. The world is awash in money. Money is everywhere. <laughs> it's an ocean of money all looking right. for good deals. The real crux of the issue is, is having the discipline to do good deals. If I wanted to buy mediocre property and, and screw over investors, number one, it'd be a quick way to lose all my investors, but it, there'd be hundreds of deals to choose from. The way to, to build this machine and, and, and get this momentum that starts working on its own without me having to massage it every day uh, which is what, as an entrepreneur, I want to be able to do. I work very hard now to be the dumbest guy in the room uh, and, and rely on the talents of others to make this thing go. Uh, but it all starts with, with the discipline to find a good deal. And it, it never uh, ceases to amaze me that most people talk a great talk, but when it comes down to actually underwriting 200 opportunities to find one, most folks won't do it. Most folks want the easy way. They want a turnkey property or they, you know, they, they, they just want to get into the game and they, they, in a rush, and I've been there, I've done it, they make mistakes. Um, if you're looking at passive investing in a guy like me, I would say underwrite at least 100 deals before, before investing with a sponsor. If you look at 100 sponsor deals over the next three months, um, you, will, you will gain that fingertip feel for what a good deal looks like. You'll start to, to viscerally know what should be in the offering when it's missing. And you'll be much more educated uh, than just jumping right in and going with the first guy you like. Yep. And that's, I mean, that is something that no real estate course can teach you. It's just actually looking at these deals and reviewing as many as you can. As you mentioned, if you just do 200 of them, uh, that's an education in and of itself. Absolutely. Best education you can get, just, just doing the work. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, staying on the topic of education, Ivan, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying? What new skill sets are you currently learning? Ooh, uh, that's a great question, MC. So I'm, I'm pretty focused right now on really great content and, and reading it over and over again. Um, so I, I'm continually rereading books that I like, but a couple new ones in the mix that I'm really a fan of, um, no shocker, Ray Dalio's principles. I think he's a, a great author and he's done some really, really, uh, tremendous things with his, with, with how he grew his organization. And I'm looking to hopefully model some of that myself. Can't wait for his book on, on economics and investments to come out. So really like to get into his mind a little bit more on how he makes investment decisions. 
I just picked up a copy of a book called Collusion by Nomi uh, Prinz. It's on Audible, and so I'm listening to it. Yep. And it's another book about uh, the Federal Reserve, and, and uh, this one's more about what our central bank and several other central banks have done and the games they're playing. I'm a big fan of understanding um, finance and economics at the federal uh, central bank level, because if I have their playbook, I think it makes me a better uh, income property uh, operator. Yep. Um, new skill sets. Uh, I'm addicted right now to obstacle course racing and CrossFit. Um, getting my uh, my fitness up to a new level. I'm turning 40 in a couple of days. Um, only serves to make me a better entrepreneur, but also even more importantly, uh, husband and father. Fantastic. Yeah. And I, I have to say, uh, um, actually had know me as a boss guest on the show. So she's discussed a little bit of that book. So, uh, I thoroughly, oh, you're kidding. Nice. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that as well. And then speaking about principles and values from Ray Dalio, that ties into my next question, which it is a core message in our show to leave our families and communities in the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So, Ivan, if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Ooh, yeah, I, uh, I, I think I'll be one of those dads that does not pass along money, at least not till they're much older. Uh, so I really like this question. And uh, I hope they all want to join um, me in the family business, but they'll have to go work for somebody else first before, before that. Uh, you know, I would tell them, to, uh, I think this is really great for your audience. And, and I love what you're doing on your podcast. I am a huge fan of focusing on cash flow and not capital gains. I think so many more investors out there looking at buying something, you know, buy low, sell high. I think if you don't mind me saying so, that's a lot of BS. I think focusing on repeatable cash flow models uh, in whatever business you decide is, is, is how you really grow wealth. Uh, I would say focus on one model and do it well. Um, and you know what? I'm just going to go back to what I said earlier. I think it's a little bit of a myth that you do what you love and you'll get wealthy. I think the people that really get wealthy have to do what they hate first yep. uh, before they can, before they can do what they want. And, uh, and so I would tell my kids that, 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 uh, you know, you might have to do what you hate to get to the point, uh, that you can do what you want. So true. And that is, that is very, very true because there is a lot of it out there. Just do what you love and, and what you're passionate about. Well, you're going to have to do something first before you get to that. So I uh, couldn't agree with you more. Ivan, this has been great. Where can my listeners uh, follow you? Where can they learn more about you and your company? And where can they uh, yeah, follow you to stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Oh, thanks. Yeah, we're, we've got some really good opportunities coming up. Um, so I'm really lucky. My last name is spelled unconventionally. It's Barrett, B-A-R-R-A-T-T. Uh, so if you Google me, Ivan Barrett, B-A-R-R-A-T-T, you'll find BarrettAssetManagement.com. I also have a, a, a website I'm, I'm redoing right now, IvanBarrett.com. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, and then my, my assistant uh, picks up at 317 Give that number a call and I'd be happy to set up a time to talk. Fantastic. Well, Ivan, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Thank you for having me, MC. It's been awesome to be here.
Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you for all your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text cashflowninja to 44. I'm also posting daily videos on Facebook and YouTube and will live stream weekly starting May 2018. To make sure you don't miss any of the live streams, please like and subscribe to my Facebook and YouTube platforms. I'm also dropping content on Instagram daily. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to get in on the action. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.